Welcome to Keep Digging for Life, your seminary on the go. I am your host, Jason Epps. Before I begin, I just want to say a big thank you to Rebecca Carroll and Liz over at the Heartstrong Faith podcast and blog. I really appreciate them uh, giving me the time to talk about a subject that is near and dear to my heart, disability ministry. Uh, and if you have any uh, further questions about um, disability ministry, about two years ago, I did a two-parter on my five-step plan. Again, forthcoming book, hopefully from Kriegel Press, so check that out. I will um, post it when possible. As always, I want to mention here that you can... Email me your questions at keep digging for life. That's F O R for life, L I F E, at gmail.com. I would um, also like your, uh, I would also like your uh, potential feedback. Because I am considering adding a structured schedule to this show. Uh, Fridays being questions, Mondays being theology, and Wednesdays being a theological reflection like I've been doing with my Loki series. So let me know if I email, uh, send me questions because one of the things is I'll need your questions if I'm going to do a Friday segment on an open line question. So... Um, please send them in. Um, I would want to hear from you, but would want to hear from you. But for now, uh, let's delve into what our topic is today. As I alluded to on Rebecca's podcast, I will be covering the movie Infinite. So, spoiler alert: if you haven't seen it and you don't want spoilers, uh, stop listening here. Uh, watch it. And then come back here, or if you like with some movies that um, I've watched, you just want to hear the general synopsis before you watch it, that's okay too. Just to let you know, spoiler alert. And we'll be back. Welcome back. The movie Infinite, if you're not aware, is a Paramount uh, plus original movie. So, unfortunately, in order to watch it, you have to have a Paramount plus subscription. But I can give you the general synopsis here. The story follows this premise that... There is this group of people called the Infinites that can remember every past life, every iteration of themselves. The Infinites fall into two groups. The Nihilists, who want everything to end and want to destroy humanity, and the Believers, 
the infinites who want humanity to progress, to get better, to improve across all of their uh, lives. Infinites, um, from it said in the movie, infinites reincarnate into another living being upon their death. But it also suddenly implies that everyone else reincarnates. They just forget their reincarnations. The book, uh, not the book, the movie follows our main character, Treadway, who in this iteration is uh, trying to suppress his memories and his abilities. Treadway was diagnosed with schizophrenia at 14. Quite understandable from somebody who's having visions and experience of other people. That's the very definition of schizophrenia. One wonders why any of the others weren't diagnosed with schizophrenia. He's immediately pulled out of his life when he meets face-to-face -face with his friend and now rival, the head of the Nihilists. He then um, is saved from a near-death experience and it is turned that the we we discover that the believers are losing the war. It is implied that it, it's because they were primarily focusing on uh, preserving society. We discover that the plans that the Nihilists have are to destroy all life from what is known as the egg, which destroys every living thing, prohibiting uh, any sort of reincarnation. We also discover that the Nihilists have created what they've dubbed the Dethroner, which, when fired, puts a infinite mind on a computer chip thus ineffectively breaking them and taking out of the cycle. We see that the main leader of the Nihilists is frustrated with his life, constantly remembering, desiring to break the cycle. At one point, he's crying out to God, God, will show me your face, show me your face. And he also questions, God, will you stop this? i.e. the destruction. And eventually, uh, the egg is discovered inside Trendstone's old, not Trendstone's, Trendways, different movie, uh, old Bonnie. It's found and the egg is prevented from exploding. Trendway is then then dies and is reincarnated as a Japanese kid at the end, and the artisan uh, tells him, tells his parents to call him when he has questions. So that is the general overview. Again, if you'd like to watch the movie, I'd recommend it. It is infinite, 
on Paramount Plus. So now let's discuss the theology underpinning infinite. First, we will discuss the unbiblical theology, and then we will discuss some potential biblical themes that are still present. And finally, we will end with a conclusion. So without further ado, here we go. So. It is very obvious that we are dealing with reincarnation here. In the movie, they directly mention it. Uh, and it implies that everyone reincarnates. This is uh, a Buddhist, Hindu, Sikh, quasi-philosophy. What is slightly different here, though is that memories from the reincarnation are carried over. In addition, we also observe the nihilists wanting to uh, break the cycle, to get out of their reincarnation. It is interesting that they are presented as the bad ones, because breaking the cycle is the goal of Buddhist meditation and reincarnation. Same with Hindu. So, they kind of turn the typical goal on its head in this movie. It's interesting. Side note. And I wondered this when I was watching the movie. If the main bad guy of the Nihilist, which I'm forgetting his name at the moment, uh, created something that effectively kills an infinite. Why just not... Why doesn't he just shoot himself in the... with the infinite uh, dethroner? Why does he think that he has to destroy all of Earth and ruin everyone else's life it's a it's an interesting side thought um another element is that subtle the movie subtly implies that bodies our physical bodies are not worthwhile. They're just something to be uh, dumped. This is a common theological thought running through Buddhism and Hinduism. That matter is evil. What matters is the spirit and breaking through the matter. Again, it kind of turns the regular reincarnation on its head. Because Treadway says we were told to view our bodies as not important. But yet, where he hides the egg is in what is not important. This implies that uh, we were told that, but it's not true. In addition, 
what are the believers trying to save? They're trying to save the physical world. Again, this turns the whole concept of reincarnation on its head and makes the typical goal of breaking through, meeting Brahman or some other higher power, the bad goal, the goal of the nihilists. A very interesting point is that the positive infinites are called believers. But what are they believing in? They're believing that humanity is by its very nature good. Now, biblically, that that is false. Humanity is not by its nature good. Psalm 14 says, There is no one who does good, not even one. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. So, People, human beings, are sinful from birth. There's no such thing as a pure and innocent child. We all are inherently cursed with a sinful nature because of Adam's actions in the tree. In addition, not only are human beings in the movie considered good, but are considered that they can improve. We've seen that humanity in the Bible, left to its own devices, causes complete and utter destruction. This is what necessitated the flood. Human beings were running rampant, engaging in improper sexual relations, creating a, as John MacArthur puts it, an unredeemable race, which, however you take the Nephilim, they are essentially a race that was never intended to be created, a race of supernatural half-breeds. And by never intended, I mean not the ideal race. Obviously, God, in a sense, intended it because he it happened. This kind of goes back to uh, what we talked about last week in regards to Molinism, There I go. And Loki. And I would really highly recommend that podcast that I've done. But human beings alone are incapable of good. We even see this in the Millennial Kingdom. When human beings are given a chance to rebel against a perfect utopian society ruled by Christ with no injustice... They rebel. We've seen this constantly with all the wars and horrible atrocities like the Holocaust. Oftentimes people in our culture think, well, if people just had a better environment, then they would grow up and be better people. But again, the Millennial Kingdom blows this idea out of the water. So, we human beings are by nature bad and won't progress. We will, left alone to ourselves, destroy each other. That's why we need Christ to both save us and transform the earth. While we need to take care of this earth and 
help it in any way we can. True perfection and goodness won't come until Christ returns. And please refer back to my Millennial uh, Kingdom podcast for further information. So, in general, those are the bad elements of theology in this movie. And we're back. You may be wondering, with so much focus on reincarnation and Eastern philosophy, such as Buddhism and Sikhism, is there any redeeming biblical theology running through here? There is, interestingly, some. When the nihilist is trying to engage himself in water torture, he's asking in Latin to see God's face. This could, one implies that there is a God, that he was involved in the beginning in creating the nihilist because the nihilist is trying to remember and that is why he is engaging in uh, Chinese water torture, in a sense. And the fact that he's speaking Latin suddenly implies that the God he is searching for is none other than the Christian God, in a sense, because Latin is the main language that has historically been spoken by the Catholic Church, which is the largest branch of Christianity current today. The intention of putting in Latin here could have been a nod subtly to the Catholics. There's also an interesting conversation where the, the main nihilists ask, will God stop us? Implying that God could and that he might. Now, in, in this regard, this is where it's kind of a both and. God would step in to preserve the life of the human race. Jesus said, this race will continue until I return. He wasn't referring, there are two possible uh, interpretations. One is the Jewish ethnic group, and two is human beings. Both are simultaneously true. So the fact, because we see humans in the end times and we know that Jewish people will last until the end and they'll eventually be saved. Again, consult my Eschatology podcast if you have questions. Um, so, but there's also some instances where God doesn't directly intervene but works through circumstances. So, that is kind of a both positive and negative side of theology here. But one thing that I found very interesting was the end credit song. If you listen to it, 
the words in the rap, at least part of it, are raised like Jesus by the Holy Spirit. That's a direct Christian reference. That kind of came out of nowhere because incarnation does not have anything to do with Christ's resurrection. Yes, he is in a new body, but that is where the similarities end. His new body appears to be looking identical to his body, according to the Bible. But they may, filmmakers may be holding on to the theological thread that Jesus' body appeared differently. Because there are certain instances, like in the road to Emmaus, where some scholars think that Jesus' body looked different because the disciples weren't able to recognize him. But I maintain that his body was did look the same. They were just supernaturally hidden from recognizing him. Because in other instances, there's no need for explanation that this is Jesus. They recognize him immediately. So, I find it extremely interesting that in a movie about reincarnation and remembering and improving there is a reference to Jesus' resurrection which is the cornerstone of Christianity which seems to come out of nowhere food for thought so that is one major positive element to this movie's theology again the acknowledgement of God and spiritual things his potential act and Christ's Reference to Christ's resurrection, which is the one element that when Christ's uh, life is mentioned that is skipped over by a lot of secular scholars because anyone can die for their beliefs, but only Jesus was resurrected for it. So that is the main distinctive in Christianity. So, conclusion, what does all this mean? First off, why would Hollywood be so fascinated with Buddhism and reincarnation? We see this in movies as popular as Star Wars. John Lucas wrote Star Wars in order to make Buddhism more palatable to a modern audience. We see this in Avatar, where the energy goes back to the great Mother Earth. Energy is loaned, so to speak. Why would... Uh, Hollywood love the idea of reincarnation? I think it's possible that it is a way for them to rationalize why they are so successful and why others aren't. It gives them a potential mental freedom to distance themselves, to think of themselves as elites, because the only way that they got there, according to Buddhism, was they suffered in their previous life, so they earned it. And this can 
appease some of their natural misgivings. Also, it appeals to the need of the supernatural, things beyond us. And it gives them something that they can essentially actively engage in, namely the living of peace and tranquility. Although it is interesting to note that most Hollywood is not marked by the typical Buddhist peace and tranquility, but wild parting and living things up. I wonder if they're ever worried that because of their Hollywood actions, they will be reborn as a slug. <laughs> but I digress. Anyway, it's important for us to analyze these things that way. Not only can we just enjoy movies, but recognize what, where it is coming from. So we are not just passive observers. But we realize what is true and what is not. Because there is objective truth and it's found solely in God's word. Not in what our culture dictates. 